Conrad Weaver. Today's guest is an award-winning documentary filmmaker and host of the new podcast, Explore Purpose, where he visits with guests to examine the mission that gives their work meaning, especially in the second half of their careers. He'll also share insights about his superpower, a drive to help others. I'm your host, Devin Thorpe. Welcome to the Superpowers for Good show. Conrad, welcome back to the show. I'm so glad to have you here. Thank you so, so much. Well, it's a real privilege to be here again. It's good to see you and uh, looking forward to our conversation. Yeah, you are an amazing guy in so, so many ways. And I'm grateful for the the goodness that you are and manifest in so many ways. I was uh, listening last night to your your uh, YouTube show uh, with the, uh, you know, the um, PTSD 911, I think you call it, right? Yes, right. It's called PTSD 911 Presents is the, is the show, right? Yeah, it, it was, uh, you know, last night's episode was a great, great conversation, really powerful and profound mm-hmm. about uh, uh, how our first responders have unusual numbers of really shocking numbers of PTSD uh, and right. suicide. And, and so the, the mental health concerns for our first responders is a genuine one that we need to address. And so I, I commend you for being it's one. It's such to- an important topic. And I've, you know, kind of dove into this thing head first and really become, it's become a passion project of mine to, to, to tell this story. And so so thank you for watching. Thank you for, uh, I think we need more people who are listening and hearing this story, civilians who can help, you know, you, you know, kind of move the needle in the right direction for our first responder community. Yeah. So it's it, really important. It's, it's critically important, critically important. Um, you have come at podcasting with an unusual skill set. So many of us, and you and I talked a little bit about this before we turned the microphone on, but many of us come to this with, without radio experience, without production experience. And so we, we're, we're just figuring it out as we go. And uh, you come to this whole thing as a documentary filmmaker. You're a real pro. You understand the difference between a good microphone and a bad microphone in, in, at a whole level that I will never comprehend, right? Mm. Tell us a little bit about your documentary films, uh, because it, it, I want people to know you a little bit before we get too far. Well, thanks into our for discussion. your kind words. And it's been a journey for me. You know, I, I started picking up a camera when I was probably nine or 10 years old. And this was a film camera that my dad had just taking stills and all throughout my life growing up and into my adult years, I was an amateur photographer and I would take pictures of anything that sparked my interest. And sometimes my family would be like scratching their head saying, what are you doing? You know, I was trying to capture a a drop of water coming out of a faucet one time and trying to capture that midstream, so to speak, and things like that. And and over the years, I worked for various organizations. I have a degree in psychology. I went to, went to school and got a degree in psychology and soon decided I didn't want to get an advanced degree. And uh, then I found myself uh, working as a youth minister at a church and started doing production work. And we did some video, but not a whole lot back then. This was in the early 90s. And 
I morphed into that. I, I, I started doing web development for the church and ended up being hired by a company in Colorado, a, a, a publisher, moved to Colorado and uh, did some publishing work, did web development for them. And then I had an opportunity to come to Maryland and a church hired me and ended up being their media producer. I'd never produced video before and I just started, I jumped into it and tried to figure it out and discovered I was uh, pretty good at it and had a knack for storytelling. And from that, people started hiring me on the side. And by 2006, 2007, I had nearly two full-time jobs. And in 2008, I decided to launch my own company and go out on my own. And and it was a few years after that, about two, two and a half years after that, that this idea came of producing a feature length documentary. And it was a story about the, the harvesters who harvest the wheat that grows across the plains in the you know, central part of the U.S. And, and it was actually my wife's idea. I was reading a blog about this and my wife said, hey, you should make a movie about that. And I said, that's a fantastic idea. I grew up on a farm. It's, it's a perfect uh, thing for me to do. It'd be a very natural thing for me to do. And so for two to three years, we I spent time in the central part of the U.S. from Texas to Montana. And we we, we told the story of harvesters who, who harvest the wheat. And that really gave me the bug to tell stories that matter. And I... From that, another documentary came out of there. I think we talked about this last time I was on your program about Thirsty Land, the story about the drought in the American West. And and those two films, uh, as good as they were, they took me away from my family for weeks at a time. And so I began looking for a story that was closer to home. And in 2018, I delivered a film. Actually, 2016, I started working on a documentary called Heroin's Grip, a story about the opioid crisis. And for two years, I spent time with people that I never thought I'd hang out with and people in recovery, families who've lost their kids, uh, people actively using. Uh, it was really a, a, a compelling story. And it was right here at home. It was right in my home community. And out of that film, it really raised in me the awareness of first responders. And actually, I was on a fatal overdose scene. I was doing a ride along with a, a police officer, and we arrived on a, on a scene where uh, a woman was dead because of her drug abuse, and she had overdosed. And it was a very sad scene, very chaotic. And I came home from that trying to figure out what I had just experienced. And from that, I started thinking about the first responders who were on scene and uh, did, did some research about what how trauma affects first responders and discovered this whole issue that, that we talked about earlier, how trauma is really impacting our first responders in a significant way. And especially in the past year and a half, two years during the COVID epidemic, it significantly impacted first responders even more so. And so I decided to make a film about that. And so we're in the middle of production right now. Uh, we're capturing those stories. I'm going coast to coast. I just spent two weeks in California uh, working with a firefighter and some other agencies out in California. And we're really telling that story to help the general public understand what first responders face. But storytelling for me is, is a tool that I feel is, is a powerful tool 
to help move the needle forward in whatever issue we're, we're, we're talking about. You know, I produced a documentary about the drought and from that, you know, people's lives were, were affected by that and, and how they treated water and how they used water. And so that kind of raised a passion in me to really work on stories that really matter and stories that can impact communities, can impact the world uh, in many ways. And, and this most recent one about first responders, you know, I, I feel that our first responders, our firefighters, our police officers, our, our you know, paramedics, and even those who take the phone calls, the, the 911 operators, they are all impacted by the things that they see and hear. And these are the people who volunteer, who, who, volunteer, who say, I want to get the training necessary to become this person to take care of our community. And yet these are the very people who are often hurting the worst. And, um, and sometimes that's why we see stories on the news of, of, of things that went south and yeah. that, uh, you know, and so I feel it's my job as a storyteller, uh, in my films and now in the podcast that I have to really bring out these stories that can transform lives that can inspire someone to make a difference, can inspire someone to change the trajectory of their life. For example, in the film Heroin's Grip, I had, um, this, this was one of the most powerful things. We have a scene in the film where we were given permission to film at a funeral. And it was a funeral of a young man who had overdosed from heroin. And a few months after the film came out, we were at a local event venue and screening the film and a, and a gentleman came up to me and it was the father of this young man who was, we, we saw his funeral in the film. And he said, I come to every single one of these screenings locally because it's one more chance for me to connect with my dad. I mean, with my son, it's yeah. one more opportunity to see and to have some kind of connection. And to me, when he said that, it was like, that was why I made the film. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and that's why I tell these stories because it impacts lives and it, and it, um, you know, and sometimes these films, they don't make a lot of money, but they're rich that they make me rich as a person, as a human being. Yeah. And that's what I, I and, and that's what I love. Well, it's, it is an inspiring thing that you're doing and I'm, I'm glad that you're doing it. Uh, as we think about heroin's grip, uh, just this week, right? We saw fresh mm -hmm. data that said that uh, the in a recent twelve month period, a hundred thousand people that's, died from uh, opioid overdoses. Yes, staggering. Hundred thousand people, and we go back like five years. It was thirty thousand people a year. So in yeah. just the last five years, it's it's yeah. tripled, right. um, and. Uh, and you think that's a hundred, that's a 100,000 families who have lost their, 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 their person, yeah. hundred thousand families that had funerals that had, you know, that are, that are crying. Some of them are crying themselves to sleep tonight because they lost their, their loved one. And for everyone that died, there are what, 10, 20, mm -hmm. 50 more yeah. who yeah. are in, in, are addicted right. uh, and struggling with all the implications of that and every yeah. day risking their lives, yeah. uh, uh, because and it tells of, you something uh, about the pain society is feeling right now. 
Yeah. You know, it, it the reason many of these folks use these these drugs is to numb the pain. You know, sometimes it's physical pain that they have had a surgery, have an accident, has some kind of a you know thing that you know broken bodies, and so yeah. they were giving they were given uh, illegal opioid and become uh, they're very highly addictive, and they they become you know uh, uh, addicted to that that feeling, or sometimes it's it's mental pain it's anguish that they're experiencing that they are trying to mask with this thing. They, uh, you know, the people I interviewed for that film, every single person who I interviewed, who you said, you know what, the first time I stuck a needle in my arm, it was the most amazing experience I've ever had. It was the best feeling in the world. Yeah. And then I wanted to get that again, but I was never able to. Yeah. Yeah. Ah, it's heartbreaking, but yeah, that, that is the story we hear all the time. And it's so scary. Yeah. So scary, scary to think about the implications of, of, of that feeling. And, and yeah, so people are self-medicating Yeah, uh, oftentimes because of the pain, emotional, physical, or whatever it may be. And, and they end up addicted to these horrible drugs and they get, uh, you know, a fentanyl laced, uh, dose mm-hmm. they weren't anticipating and mm-hmm. shazam it's lights out. And, and th- in these days, fentanyl is in every drug, in- including marijuana. It, it, it can be, because if you have a, if you have someone who's, you know, a seller, who's, who's a business person and they're selling these drugs, they're going to put these things on the table and they're eventually going to dabble in fentanyl and, th- and it's going to residue can get into all these drugs. And they've been, they've found even marijuana has caused overdoses, you know, opioid overdoses because perhaps accidentally something got into, into the marijuana. Yeah. It's it's a tragedy. And what's, what's amazing is, is that not only affects, you know, the average citizen, but it also affects our first responders. Uh, Addiction rates for first responders are way above the national norm. There's so many people, you know, you know, alcoholism is huge, you know, in the first responder community and it's from the pain that they are suffering, the pain that they have experienced and they're trying to numb that pain with these things. And, you know, part of my vision for what I want to accomplish with my, the few short years that I have left is to, to help people, especially first responders who are in that last part of their life and they're looking at the future and perhaps they're stepping away from their their job, they're putting down their badge, they're putting down their gun, they're putting down the fire hose, you know, they're, they're leaving that job behind. Now they, their whole identity was wrapped up in what they did. And so now they don't have that. They're not a firefighter anymore. They're not a police officer anymore. They're not a dispatcher. So now they're, they're sitting at home lost. And what do they do? They look for something to fill the void, look for something to numb the pain. And many of them, unfortunately, suicide rates among, especially police officers who retire is incredibly high. And I hope that with this film, we're, we'll be able to make a difference in that to lower those rates in some way. But also looking at just people like myself, I mean, I'm 56 years old, looking at the future, looking at what I want to, my legacy to be. 
And I have a mission that I'm on to leave a legacy and to not just, I don't plan on retiring, but there's things I want to do when I get older that I want to be able to continue to impact the world. And so I'm looking at some opportunities that, uh, some ideas that I'm working on to do that. And one of them is my podcast that I do is, uh, we're rebranding it, renaming it the Explore Purpose podcast. And I'm really excited about that and get to have you on here. In a, yeah, in a, in I'm, a, I'm excited to be a guest, but uh, tell us, you know, as you think about the, um, your goals, how does that relate to the new podcast? Uh, is this going to help you accomplish your objective? Is that the, is that the motivation for the new podcast? Yeah, I think so. It's, kind of the new podcast is is a, a, the first step in what I want to do. So I, I'm actually working on launching a business, a new company to do this. And the podcast will be kind of step number one. And that will be primarily to kind of build an audience, to build a customer base for the future business that, and uh, hopefully to have guests on who are in that stage of life, that they're looking at their, their, what, what's the, what's next for me? What's, what's my end you know, what's my last half of my life going to look like? And then also bring on guests who are experts at uh, purpose and meaning and have perhaps created systems of discovering that. And so I'm looking for people like that as well. And then out of that, be able to create this, this a business that, uh, and, I, and I can't go into all the details, but to kind of create this opportunity for people to discover their purpose. And that's why it's called explore purpose. We're going to explore these things and discover purpose and meaning. And so that when uh, you decide to uh, take out your pension, you also have a purpose. Yeah. I think it's really important for people. I think you and I are old enough now to have friends who are retired and, mm -hmm. and, and sometimes what we see is that they don't retire with purpose Right. And they're not happy. They, right. they, they, it really, you know, they think, well, I'll be happy golfing and skiing <laughs> and doing all and relaxing. And, and that is not the way, you know, especially for a type A personality, that's very unfulfilling. Right. You can only so, play golf so many times before it becomes, you know, just the next boring thing you do. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But that, yeah, that's now, some people love golf enough to do that, but, right. but the real type A people that yeah. I'm thinking of are really not happy trying to play golf every day. It just doesn't work for them. But, it, and, you know, if you think about it, we're created for purpose and meaning. Yeah. And we, you and I both believe in a creator. I think we're, we're created for with, with purpose and meaning. And if, and if we're, if my purpose is just to hit a golf ball or ski or, you know, or watch TV, I'm not going to be very fulfilled. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I think it's a, a profound insight that you're you've identified uh, with your show, and I'm excited to tune in regularly to listen to people as they explore their purpose. Uh, and that'll be that'll be fun. That'll be really fun, especially for for me and people like me who love great stories. And and you'll do a great job with it, I'm sure. Well. Conrad, as you think about the success you've had in your career, what do you think of as your superpower, the, the superpower that enables all of your success? Hmm. 
Yeah, superpower is uh, something that I, I don't think about a whole lot, but I, I think part of what drives me to success is just the the willingness to take risks with a focus of helping others. I grew up in a family of, you know, my parents, we were always taking in people. We were always taking a meal to someone. I remember one time we went, I was just, you know, 12 years old and we went to a family downtown and we delivered food to them and they had nothing. Literally we opened their cupboards and they had nothing in the cupboards. And so I grew up with that, that mentality of we need to serve, we need to help others. And I think that's probably my superpower is just that drive to help others, to make a difference, yeah. to make someone else's world better and, and, and enable them to thrive as well. Because I've been blessed with so many amazing blessings and I, I don't want to just, you know, kind of sit on the pile and, and, you know, take it all in for myself. I want to give to others and, and help them achieve as well. So I think well, that's my I, superpower. I, yeah, I think that uh, generosity of spirit is is a good characterization for you and your nature and uh, the good you're doing in the world. Um, one of the things that I I believe and have observed is that it's hard for us to change the world unless at some level we're also willing to change ourselves. Boy, and mm. that's one of the profound lessons I absorbed from my exercise of writing superpowers for good. And it's why I focused so much of my energy now on digging in to try mm -hmm. to understand not only the activities of my mm -hmm. guests like you. So, so understanding that you produce now two different podcasts and that you're a filmmaker and all these things about you is great to know, uh, especially if you're a filmmaker, I might pick up a, a clue or a hint from you, but, or as a podcaster, I get ideas from you, but everyone can learn something about that mm. generosity of spirit that you kind of described. And I apologize for putting words on your words, but but it, it seems to me that um, we have to learn to be more like Conrad if we're mm. going to do the kinds of things that Conrad does. Uh, and if we want to change the world, we've got to be more like the change makers. So with that long introduction to a question, what would you say? How do people learn to be more like you? As you describe what, what I call your generosity of spirit, but mm -hmm. how, how, do you, how do you coach people or how would you coach people to, you know, to develop I, that skill? You know, what you, have, what you said about looking at yourself, and I've been doing a lot of that, especially this past year in looking at myself and who I am and, and working on myself, working on the, you know, sometimes we, we, uh, like in business, we work in the business or sometimes we have to work on the business. Well, right now I'm in the middle of working on Conrad. I'm really working on discipline and having a disciplined schedule, uh, being more disciplined in my, in, in what I eat and what I, uh, consume. Uh, and not only physically and as food and drink, but also consume as media. I'm very, I'm trying to be more disciplined in that area. And I, and I read voraciously. I read just so many things right now. I'm reading a book 
by Dr. I forget his first name, his last name's Amon. He has written has written a number of books, but his most recent one is called The End of Mental of actually the end of uh, of mental illness. And it's a fascinating look at the brain. And some of the things that he talks about there are just amazing. And I'm like, oh wow, you know, I need to really watch what I eat because that affects my brain. And if my brain is damaged, then you know, because he actually has done 160,000 brain scans of different people and has looked at and studied these brains. And he can identify what your problem is by looking at your brain, just wow. by seeing what the, what the brain looks like. And it's fascinating. So I'm really looking at myself to see what I need to improve. You know, how, how can I be a better husband? How can I be a better dad? Those are the two of the most important things for me. How can I be a, a better person of faith? You know, that's important to me. Yeah. Um, those are the foundations first for me. If I can work on those three things to be a better husband, a better, a better dad to my kids. And now my, you know, my granddaughter and my new granddaughter that's going to be born next year. How can I be a better person of faith? And then I think the rest of it kind of comes naturally if you put those things in line first and just be a better human being you know how can i how can i look at someone i had a conversation with uh, with a neighbor who's an african american he's a vice president of a local university very distinguished you know gentleman i highly highly respect him and we were talking about the whole race you know race issue in our culture today and we had this very open conversation about that and he mentioned something to me that just really made me stop and think he said, you know what, when I'm out in public and as a black man, he said, I, I see the looks or I see the avoidance of a look. People look away. He said, I just want to be seen. I want to be recognized. And I had to think yeah. about my own interactions when I'm out in public. Do I look someone in the eye and I've become a much more intentional, whether, whatever color of skin they have, to look someone in the eye and to say, you know, and to give them a nod or to acknowledge their existence. Cause sometimes a person can feel invisible. I know I've felt, I've been that person. I've been a person in a room and I've felt invisible and I don't want anyone to feel that way when they're in my presence. I want them to be acknowledged and to be seen and, and to, to know that they matter. And so that's something I've been working on to, to become more intentional in how I engage with people, even passing them on the street. Even I was in, I was in San Diego a week ago and there's the homeless population there is just everywhere as it is in many cities, but down there especially. And to be able to walk the street and a homeless man is sitting there, uh, you know, with his can waiting for someone to put some money in. Now, typically don't give to them because there's many resources available and sometimes, uh, but I acknowledge them. I, I look them in the eye and say, how are you? And, and just that acknowledgement, I think, can make a difference in someone's life. Yeah. And and so that's what I'm working on. I'm not perfect. I have a long way to go to be, to be better at that and be better at all these things, a person of faith, a, a better dad, a better husband, you know, and, but I'm working on it. And I, so I read, I, you know, 
you know, every evening before I turn the light off to go to sleep, I, I read just to put things in my mind. And so, uh, yeah, it, it's a work in progress. And, you know, yeah. one day uh, when I get to the other side, maybe then I'll be perfect. But until then, I have a long <laughs> way to go. Yeah, yeah. I hear you. I hear you, Conrad. Well, uh, Conrad, I really appreciate you taking the time to visit with me today. Uh, it's great to catch up. Uh, great to talk about all the issues. I mean, all the amazing, great things that uh, you're doing. Of course, your your films uh, are inspiring and amazing. Your uh, podcasts are great. And uh, I'm excited to be a guest on your show. Thank you very much for inviting me. And, um, but I, uh, I want, I want you to wrap up if you would now by telling people here how they can connect with you, how they can find your shows, how they can find your films, you know, just take a few minutes and, and mm-hmm. brag, make sure that everybody who's interested knows where to track you down, how to track you down. Okay. Sure. Well, thank you for that. So, my website that uh, my company that, that I have is is Conjo Studios. That's C O N J O S T U D I O S dot com, and you can find uh, links to all of my films there, in one form or another. And I'm um, also on social media at Conjo Studios on Twitter, uh, Instagram is my name Conrad Weaver. If you're on Instagram, you can uh, check out uh, what I do there and. Uh, Facebook is Conrad Weaver as well, or at Conjo Studios. And those uh, places uh, I typically write about or link to or post, you know, information that what I'm doing uh, on all those places uh, on a fairly regular basis. And also, if you're on LinkedIn, I'm uh, pretty active on LinkedIn as well. Just look up my name, Conrad Weaver, and you can find me there. And uh, But if you are... Just wanting to go and watch a movie right now, go to Amazon. Some people aren't fans of Amazon, but all my films are on Amazon. If you just search my name on Amazon, they'll all show up. Uh, there's uh, The Great American Wheat Harvest, which won an Emmy Award, which I'm really, really proud about. Uh, Thirsty Land, story about the drought in the West. And we have Heroin's Grip. And then I have a short film on uh, Amazon as well. I was the director of the film. I'm not the producer, but I was a director. And it's a this beautiful little film called called The Bluebirds of Antietam. And it's a fun little film that I got to produce and direct. A uh, story about a couple who built bluebird boxes on the Antietam National Battlefield. And out of those boxes, they fledged more than 10,000 bluebirds. And it's just a fun little story that I got to produce and the beautiful, these beautiful little creatures that I got to go out and just spend time in the outdoors and film these birds. And it was fantastic because I filmed that right coming out of heroin's grip. So it was a perfect segue for me to (laughs) have a quick little film that uh, puts me out in nature. And so that's Amazon. So that's great. Well, Conrad, thank you so much and congratulations on all the success you've had and we wish you every success going forward as you explore purpose in your podcast. I, I hope that you'll in, continue to inspire people and inspire even many more to explore purpose in their lives, especially as they transition toward uh, and into retirement, that they will end up with a more fulfilling, happier retirement as a result of your work. So uh, kudos to you and good luck. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. All righty. 
Well, let's do some good. Thank you for tuning in to the Superpowers for Good show. Twice each week, we host changemakers who share their impact, insights, and superpowers. Don't miss another episode. Subscribe today at superpowersforgood.com. That's superpowers, number four, good.com. Be super empowered. Get your copy of the book, Superpowers for Good, as an ebook, audiobook, paperback, or hardcover edition via your favorite online retailer. Interested in having me speak to your company, organization, or association? Visit devonthorpe.com. Then let's talk. Now, keep using your superpowers for good. Together, we can reverse climate change, improve global health, and eradicate poverty.